Hello, it's Jack Tudor here of Attention Magazine. Welcome to Crucial Listening, the podcast where I speak with musicians and sound artists about three albums that are important to them. My guest this time is Rocio Zavala, a visual and sound artist based in Chicago, originally from Mexico City. Rocio's new album, Invisible Miracles, is out now on Monastral. It uses instruments that Rocio has made herself, which use light and electricity from the body as modulators. There's something very fundamental about Rocio's work. The use of low frequencies that quake through the body, the use of repetition to drill down into a single idea, The fact that the first track is called Root Drone has a sense of trying to approach the core, the very centre within these pieces. And Rocio speaks about, as well, her yogic practice throughout this interview. And there's this enlivened awareness of the self and the body and the spirit. This attempt to, I mean, I guess as the album title suggests, this attempt to render the invisible palpable through sound. It's really cool, as you can tell. I really like it. So you can check out the record over at attentionmagazine.co.uk. I'll include a link. And Rocio picked some really cool albums for us to talk about. Three totally new ones to me. Some real surprises in there. I had a great time with them. And we had a great chat about them too. So you can support Attention Magazine and Crucial Listening specifically over at coffee, ko-fi.com forward slash crucial listening. You can donate either one-off or monthly, whatever amount feels right to you. Or you can review and rate the show on Apple Podcasts or whatever app you happen to be using. Okay, that's it. Really hope you enjoy this episode. This is Rocio Zavala on Crucial Listening. Rosia, welcome to Crucial Listening. Hi, thank you for having me. Thank you for coming on. So you're here to talk about three important albums. Before we get stuck into those, I want to talk about your new album, Invisible Miracles, which was released recently on Monastral, a label based in Chicago. So the record consists, as I understand, of recordings and live performances that you made between Chicago and Hidalgo, Mexico, between 2016 and 2021, right? So... Yes. With with those live performances, 
Uh, I wonder if you have any specific memories of the performances here that you could let me into. Like, where did these performances take place? When? And yeah, yeah. any recollections you have? Yeah, so um, one track, Looming Over Azra, was created for a live performance. It was a little part of a performance I did at the Owl in Chicago. And I had never played it live before uh, until then. And uh, when I played that, like those drones live in the space, they had a really good system. The whole kind of building like shook. And I was like, wow. <laughs> I was like, wow, this is real. I did not expect that because, you know, I practice out of my little amp. Right, and yeah. um, so then when I heard it in its, you know, form that it's intended to be heard, I was like, wow, this is something that I want to work with more. And so I remembered that specific performance and it turned into I kept playing it just to know just to see how it would sound you know in different systems mm. and um yeah so that turned into eventually what is now looming over Azra I added some parts and you know took away some parts but it was just a shifting kind of piece from that initial performance at the owl <laughs> right right that's so interesting because once you've had that experience of being like, oh, this this can shake rooms, like this has the potential yeah. to do that. Um, yeah, it was the bass. <laughs> it was really, yeah, it was really, um, it took me by surprise. <laughs> <laughs> uh, is there a, then an intention to want to integrate that experience back into your recorded presentation of the piece for this record? Like once you've had that live experience, what do you take yeah. from that to the final product? Yeah, it's kind of hard because um, when you're listening in headphones, it's obviously different than when you have, like, you know, subs and, like, the nice speakers and the whole setup. Mm -hmm. But, yeah, I I guess I wanted to try to capture that, that moment um, the best way I could in the recording and trying to get that, like, low frequency, um, you know, rumble as best mm. as I could. <laughs> nice, nice. So... Also as well, uh, correct me if I'm wrong on this, but I understand partway through making the record that you moved back to Mexico with your family, right? Until the record was done. Is that correct? Yeah, I spent some time with um, just visiting over there because um, I wanted to be somewhere to finish the record that I was really inspired by. So we live in a small um, town called La Estanzuela, and it's pretty much in the mountains and surrounded by really, really tall mountains and forests and it's just a beautiful, beautiful landscape. So I wanted to be there to just finish up um, the record and capture some of its magic, hopefully, mm, right, <laughs> in there right. of the landscape too. <laughs> uh, and did you feel a marked difference when you were working on the record in Mexico compared to prior to that point? Definitely. Um, so I would, um, at my mom's, she has like a, she was building this house and she um, finished building it. So I was like, oh, it's perfect. I'll go see the house and, you know, spend some time there because I hadn't seen her in a few years. And there was this little brick kind of shed, like just a one room brick little building as part of the um, part of the house 
but it's separate from everything else. So I was like, oh, I'll make this my studio. So I would spend, <laughs> I would spend, she let me like, you know, transform it into a studio. And my dad um, let me borrow some monitors because he builds stages for fairs and shows down there. Oh, wow. So he has all like, you know, the nice um, speakers for full on stage performances. It's crazy. <laughs> So I was like, I need to borrow some of your equipment. And I just made a makeshift studio down there um, and just took a few of my like key instruments from here because I couldn't, you know, bring my amps and everything. So I kind of just like made a little studio for three months when that I was down there. And um, I remember I would be working there till three in the morning and everything is so dark, you know, because it's up in the mountains. So everything gets so pitch black and then you just hear the echoes of the farm animals and the dogs and (laughs) all the different, you know, I don't even like you're just crazy sounds echoing in the mountains. So I was definitely inspired and a little spooked out by that. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. in Looming Over Azra as well, um, I field recorded some of those sounds at night because I was just like so fascinated by how they sounded it's like because of the reverb of the mountains and stuff. So I would sometimes just like sit there and record all the weird sounds <laughs> <laughs> that I would hear and I ended up processing some of those and putting it into like a underneath layer of that track. Yeah, there's a a lamb or something. Yeah. Is it on that? It's yeah. so creepy. S- some lambs and um, goats. There's a lot of donkeys and roosters <laughs> <laughs> and dogs. So cool. Um, yeah. Another aspect of the record is obviously you make a lot of instruments yourself. Uh, I wonder if you could tell me as well about maybe a couple of the instruments, self-made instruments that feature on this record and how they're utilized as well on Invisible Miracles. Yeah, um, so I used some synthesizers that I made um, on the record. Uh, They're light controlled, so I use a lot of strobes to control um, the synthesizers and uh, as like a tremolo effect and amplitude or frequency modulating and amplitude modulating with the strobes. And then I used my electric zither that I made. Um, I made the pickup for the zither um, by hand. I hand wound it like 8,000 times. So it, t- <laughs> it took about 24 hours a full oh, day oh to wind a little thin magnet wire. It's like hair thin. And I was so careful not to, like, you know, go too fast and, like, rip it or else I would have had to start over. (laughs) So I managed to do that in about one day. Um, And that was, like, a performative experience for me because I could feel, like, you know, you go for, like, a few hours and I could feel my body just, like, getting tired and getting hungry. Like, you can feel the little physical changes. I'm like, wow. Like, I'm, like, feeling myself getting hungry. You usually don't notice how long it takes i don't right. know like, suddenly yeah. you're just like oh now i'm hungry but right. like you could like doing the same thing over and over and over you like feel your body you know like wearing out slowly and slowly oh my gosh <laughs> it was pretty interesting so this is there um it's made out of plexiglass so if i were to make it again i would make it out of wood but i kind of use the plexiglass 
that's kind of a disadvantage because of the tension of the strings it kind of tends to bend mm. but i kind of use that as you know an advantage or like a facet of playing it now so if you tighten the strings too much it's so much tension on the plexiglass plastic that it might snap so i have to be very careful with the tension of those strings um when i tune it to uh for it not to snap but i use like three or four out of the eight strings on there and bow them sometimes or play them or strike them with a drumstick um playing it a lot of different ways but on on light body i played that over um i made an electric magnetic pickup microphone mm -hmm. um, that just picks up the frequency electromagnetic frequencies of electronics you can't hear them you know in regular life but if you have this special microphone you can pick up, you know, the sound your phone makes or the sound your laptop makes. Any electronic device makes mm. this electromagnetic sound that you can pick up with that. So I played the zither on top of those recordings that I had made of picking up the sound of different colored lights. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, so that's light body. And then for the others, um, I made another synthesizer it's kind of like an eight-step sequencer um so you can play different tones you know eight different tones and that's another one i made um which one oh interparalis is the one that's a uh, feature that features that instrument mostly um it's the most melodic i think out of all of them mm. um and i think that's why because i use that sequencer that kind of gives you those melodic structures um kind of played into that and then another instrument <laughs> was uh it's like this contact spring box um contraption <laughs> that i put together <laughs> by just like nailing some coils some metal coils some metal springs onto a box and you know contact miking it so i put that through a bunch of uh, pedals and processed it and kind of made it into this like mm, sustained distorted kind of sound that um is an interparalis mm. as well yeah so a lot of different um instruments used to kind of uh, make these songs you inspired by those sounds, yeah. Love it, love it. So, and also as well, like I saw in a Bandcamp interview you did, you mentioned that when you started making instruments, you, you know, made some oscillators controlled by light, and I think you say that this opened the door to thinking more philosophically about sound. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm intrigued to ask more about that. Um, <laughs> what, what, where did it take you in terms of philosophically when you started making your own instruments about how you thought about sound? Yeah, so I was, re uh, you know, just exploring this concept of sound and light and um, at the same time, you know, studying drone and listening to a lot of, you know, Lamont Young and David First and um, reading about their processes 
and um, getting really deep into my yoga practice at the time and all these things um, a lot of like kind of yogic philosophy and kind of the body as energy mm. in light body I think I was thinking about how in yogic philosophy, philosophy they say we have you know different layers of your body you know like the subtle body the physical body the emotional body and they all um have a lot of have different you know frequencies or resonances and kind of the goal of yoga is to align all of those or one of the goals can be to align <laughs> you know, all these bodies and uh, make them whole, you know, like as working as one whole, you know. So I just think a lot about maybe I was thinking about trying to find the frequency of my own body, you know, oh, <laughs> like cool. I, I don't know if it's possible. I haven't been able to figure that out, but I was thinking <laughs> a lot about um, in some of my instruments that I make, I use the body as a resistor in the circuit. Mm. So using the electricity of your own body in the moment because it changes throughout the day and how you know wet your fingers are, it changes the resistance or um, yeah, like the moisture level in your body changes um, the resistance. So when I was thinking about this instrument, when you put your finger on the contact point to finish the circuit, it can sound different like if you put your finger on it or if I put my finger on it since our bodies are you know a different ecosystem right. of electricity so yeah I was trying really hard to kind of make sense of all these things I'm interested in um, a lot of like thinking of the body as energy you know like everything is energy and how to kind of make it physical and make it um how to interact with that in a physical way to prove kind of my own scientific questions <laughs> 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 um yeah like with the zither the pickup that i made was pretty much me um, questioning like how can something so simple produce amplification like magnets mm. and wire you know like how yeah. can these two raw materials make something so you know complicated or just complex you know mm -hmm. so all you do is take some metal rods um, magnetize them I just glued magnets to the tips of each rod and wound the wire around it and at the ends just soldered like um, cable to it and it's such a simple concept of magnetism and electricity working together to create amplification yeah <laughs> but i it was kind of just like a proof of concept that i was like how can something so simple be something so magical and like make you know this electronic phenomenon like every time there's a magnetic field there's also an electronic current mm. mm -hmm. they so it's like every time there's magnetism there's electricity and vice versa so i was just kind of like 
probing into that you know into those theories and seeing like is that really how it works like could i do this (laughs) could i do this and it would work so it did and i was like wow this is amazing it's like yeah it's like magic but it's science and and it's the earth you know beautiful has that that got anything to do with the album title yeah definitely (laughs) (laughs) definitely yeah i mean sound you can't see it it's in the air it's just air pressure moving at different you know measurements and the way it hits your ear yeah it's just in the air and also electricity you know it's in the air or in the you know uh, what do you call it the ether in the ether exactly (laughs) (laughs) yeah all these things that are happening at subtle levels that our perception isn't necessarily attuned to but are there Mm -hmm. so yeah i guess it's just me trying to tap into all these all these um frequencies that we can't see like infrared or x-ray you know we've managed to find ways to visualize and um hear and perceive these other spectrums parts Mm. of the spectrum but i feel like yeah um, there's more to be discovered there. <laughs> Wicked. It's so good. I love the record. I've had it in my company for a few months now. I gave it another spin, was it yesterday, obviously, and I was just like, oh, there's so much going on. People should definitely check it out. There'll be <laughs> links in the show notes. Uh, dive in and hear all these spooky lambs and wonderful self-made <laughs> instruments. It's really yes. good. <laughs> um Okay, so let's move on to your important records now, Rocio. So I ask people to pick three important records. I'm aware that important can mean something different to anyone, so I'm intrigued to ask how you understood important in order to come up with the list of three records that you did. Yeah, so I was thinking about um, kind of throughout the years of making the record since it was 2016 to now, or to last year, I was thinking of, you know, moments where my perception of sound kind of changed or expanded, and I wanted to share those specific moments. Or, you know, something in their process that was really inspiring to me um, that informs the way I maybe approach music making or sound making, composing all the above yeah um so i kind of wanted to choose you know those musical moments that changed my perception on listening or changed the way i interact with sound in general or something that i really identify with in the process yeah awesome so we can go for whichever record feels natural to go with first which one do you want to go for um, I will start with uh, the first one that I knew I wanted to share was Strange Chalices of Seeing by Wiseblood. Yeah. So okay. maybe we can start with that one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So give me a little introduction then as to why this one's important to you. Yeah. So I came across this one. So I spent a while trying to find it, first of all, um, because it wasn't anywhere online. Um, and then until 
I, I was always searching for it, and there was one song off of it, um, Ballad of the Broken Skull, on YouTube, and I would listen to that one all the time. Mm. And then finally, somebody uploaded the full tape, and um, so I was like, yes, finally, I get to hear the whole thing. <laughs> so I'm like looking for it for months and months. So that was a good moment, and I chose it because it has this really DIY kind of bedroom noise aesthetic that I'm really, really drawn to and um, and I feel really close to. It feels like um, when Wise Blood was making it, you can feel like really in the room with her, like in her studio or room and it just feels really raw and immediate and not a lot of post-processing it just feels you know really textured and gritty mm -hmm. and you can hear kind of the tape imperfections um and the disembodied kind of like haunting vocals and a lot of the themes of the titles um are like esoteric uh, thematically like strange chalices of seeing I later it later clicked when I was you know uh, reading about tarot and doing tarot that it's the seven of cups um, ah. in, the t in the tarot deck because you have all these chalices filled with you know different items or jewels or money or food or a weird little skull man <laughs> and and this person's shadow uh you can see the back of him but it's like a shadow and all these chalices are in a cloud so you it's kind of about like choosing um or dreaming what you'd like to have within all these choices all these chalices so wow kind of like the vision that you have in your dreams or you know what you dream of <laughs> so wow. when i when i figured out that that was the title it was kind of another moment i was like oh that's what that album is but i just oh, discovered so it cool. you know like months later <laughs> yeah and then um like raga of the spine that track i don't know i i'm really you know in my yoga practice you know studying ragas also and um i play sitar as well i studied sitar in india for like a month straight Oh, wow. So all those themes kind of just really interest me. And I think when she made or when that song plays, you kind of feel this like droney um, space that's but it's like a different kind of drone. You know, it's like not a raga, but it's like her own kind of distorted funky drone raga <laughs> and then all of yoga is about you know getting the spine straight and fortifying it you know mm -hmm. so it kind of just resonated with me a lot in the themes and the textures and the distortion that it uses and the imperfections really and the rawness of it mm. yeah yeah i mean you started off by saying that you know, you really wanted to hear this and you've been searching on the internet for it. Uh, what was the reason for really wanting to hear it? Was it just that one song that you'd heard or had you heard about this record prior to that point? Yeah, so um, 
I don't know if you know uh, Wise Blood's music now, but it's yeah. completely different <laughs> than this album. So it's kind of like a hidden gem when she was in, involved in more of like a noise scene. And then now she's making like pop, you know, ballad music, but, which is still great. But yeah, yeah. Um, this one is kind of, I read about it, you know, in an interview or like just read about the album description. And I was like, what? Like, this is not <laughs> like, I need to hear this if this is description is what it says it is, <laughs> because yeah. it's kind of a hidden gem in her repertoire that I don't think anybody knows about. <laughs> yeah. 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 I think it's a lot more interesting to me sonically than you know the stuff she's making now <laughs> <laughs> yeah what i find bizarre is retroactively hearing this having heard wise blood's new material and hearing the voice like the same voice which can obviously carry a a pop song so right. effortlessly and with such strength just being smothered by everything else on that early release if you're looking at it through the lens of, say, someone who'd later become a pop artist, it seems outrageous that you would obfuscate yeah. that voice so much. But uh, <laughs> I'm also used to hearing, I think, these kind of noise records with people with okay voices, right? But yeah, really, really fascinating. I mean, on the voice, in fact, I mean, I know obviously your voice is utilised in your music too. Um, mm -hmm. And I know you kind of, at least in the past, have sung in a more kind of conventional sense as well, as well as using your voice more texturally in this uh, new record. Um, how do you think about the voice within your music? Is it always obvious how upfront you want it to be, how you want to utilize it? Um, yeah, what does that look like? So I use vocals in, I think, two of the tracks on the album. Hmm. Um, or at least Lightbody has a version with vocals, but I ended up taking it out. Um, right, so right. there's like, there's a hidden Lightbody version with vocals on it that might never be released, but <laughs> I did play it live recently. So sometimes I play it live with vocals, depending on how I'm feeling <laughs> and, um, how much matter has vocals on it. And that one, when I was making it, I kind of the vocals just kind of you know came along with the sounds so I didn't really try to stop it I was just like okay let's experiment let's see where this goes and they tend to be kind of more as a texture of course the lyrics are you know important to me in poetry in a po poetic sense mm. um, but they're not necessary um, I kind of just think of the voice as another a layer of texture um, sometimes live I use the voice as to make drones mm. um, to loop them in different tones and make drones with them like layered tones when I play looming over Azra um, I do that as well in that track. Mm. Oh yeah, Looming Over Azra has the the vocals. You can't really tell that they're vocals because it's kind of just takes on the form of tones, but they end up, you know, thickening the the piece. So 
um yeah i think about it i don't really think about it as singing it's right. more right uh it's like a mix of spoken word drone vocal approach <laughs> right <laughs> um and to return to this this wise blood record i mean so so i'd heard titanic rising and specifically movies i think came on that was the mm -hmm. first time i heard wise blood and then the next time i heard it was this record so mm. i was obviously like what, so, okay so what's going on here i mean so <laughs> how how many of our other records really connect with you and yeah what does that trajectory look like in terms of a discography do you see this sort of transition happening slowly and are there any other records as well that really connect with you beyond this one um so the first time i heard her music was on a kxp performance so i knew nothing about her music um but i heard that performance in the interview and it seemed in the interview that she was really thoughtful and knew about experimental music hmm. so i was intrigued by that and i'm um she plays guitar so a lot of her songs now are guitar you know ballad ballady folk <laughs> style hmm. and i started you know playing music with the guitar so i think i kind of have a soft spot in my heart for that <laughs> for that style <laughs> um but i think the early albums where it's just kind of more stripped down uh guitar vocals i really like um hmm. but this one kind of just surprised me a lot because of how different from that it is yeah uh, it's funny to see a lot of the YouTube comments of people, I presume, who've sort of just been reaching back to see what early stuff is like. Yeah. Being like, oh, no. No, this ain't for me at all. Um, yeah. And <laughs> when I found it, I was like, yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, you've mentioned a couple of tracks as well that um, jut out for you. Do you have a specific favorite on this one? I think... Um, yeah, Ballad of the Broken Skull is one. Mm. Deep in the Minor Arcana. That's and... a good track title as well. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and that's what gave me the hint too. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> for the tarot. <laughs> um, I think when I listen to this album, I like to listen to it from start to finish. That's also yes. why I picked it because they kind of all meld together in a in a nice way even though there's kind of like uh there's like jagged stops between yes. the tracks but but they still kind of all just like meld into this one whole big you know piece for me what i love i should say are those transitions because they all fade out right and then there's generally some base level of static that's quite pronounced as they yeah. end and the transition is marked by a change in the kind of profile of that static or that noise yeah. as if the setup has been erected differently or for some reason there's just different variables at work to change that lo-fi background radiation it's it's lovely you feel like yeah. you ripped everything down and then built it for each track with right, sticky tape right. and stuff oh. <laughs> yeah i love hearing <laughs> um yeah the different 
tones of static in the songs yeah because you can kind of picture the setup being different for every song or mm -hmm. you know even the place maybe <laughs> Yeah, let's go to your second important album. Which one do you want to go for now? Um, I will go with Moms by Carl Stone. Cool. Okay. Uh, <laughs> so, yeah, give me a little introduction as to why this one's important to you. Um, I chose this one because the first time I heard a track off of it was kind of a yeah it was a beautiful moment in itself um the first track i heard off it was shing ki mm. and it was early in the morning and it was, it was like you know i was feeling groggy and almost awake or barely awake <laughs> and um somebody put this on for me and i was just you know i wasn't expecting to be carried off into this dreamy ethereal land <laughs> and <laughs> and it did it did that and i was like how can one sample build this <laughs> whole world <laughs> that's yeah. continuously being um expanded or revealed to you slowly you know it's like a world is being built slowly microscopically <laughs> yeah yeah and it's um, such a simple concept of sampling and looping it and stretching it, but it creates a very powerful effect, or it did on, it had a very powerful effect on me mm. when I was hearing it for the first time. Um, like the way the vocal is stretched, it kind of makes me think of like honey dripping or like a molasses oozing <laughs> oh, that's perfect yeah yeah so i really love that feeling um of stretching and looping with the samples because a lot of my process is also sample and loop based i sample a lot of the synths that i make hmm. and you know manipulate them in various ways and i think um process wise this one was really inspiring to hear um, and also the first track. So you can tell Shinky is my favorite track off of this <laughs> this album. Yeah. But the other one that really um, that I really love is the first one. I'm not sure how to pronounce it, but it's Bante Sray, I think. Mm-hmm. We'll go with that. Sure, yeah. <laughs> but but it, it's similar in the way that it uses this vocal sample to create kind of a looping dreamy dreamy world that i just want to live in <laughs> <laughs> yeah um they're the two that definitely protruded for me as well so when you say this has been inspiring in terms of your own process as well i'm intrigued to like dig into that a bit more is it more the fact that it's just capable of 
uh, as you say, creating a world with so little. Is that the inspiring bit? I mean, how did it inform what you were doing once you kind of come into this record? What does the before and after look like with Mums for you? Yeah, so I heard this album, it must have been around, yeah, 2015, 2016. So it was a really early kind of milestone for me in thinking about composition and process composition. Hmm. So just that idea of using, yeah, just minimal, I don't know, a minimal concept to create a piece that can be so powerful. Just that idea of doing that, I think, is motivating yeah. <laughs> and inspi- yeah. isn't inspiring as a challenge mm. um of, yeah because a lot of my early stuff was done with you know minimal electronics minimal setup i had almost you know no gear it's just to um you know slowly building kind of your your setup you know of like shaping the sound buying this gear or making this gear piece of gear to shape your setup how how you want it to be but that's taken you know years so in the early days it was like me working with like very minimal like you know one or two synth oscillators (laughs) (laughs) and trying to create um you know trying to compose something with that and so i think having limitations is also really important in my process because the reason I started making synths in the first place or instruments um, is because when I learned music um, or programming, you know, in Ableton and all the soft synths and software, you have a million options of sounds. Right, of <laughs> you course. You have yeah. so much to choose from. Yeah. And while that's fun and awesome and you can have so much fun with that, I'm like, I want to know how it got here you know um (laughs) just trying to like teach myself synthesis and also wanting to be closer to like the root of the sound like what is the most fundamental basic sound you can make with with these tools Mm. or you know like one oscillator so trying to pare down um and just get to like the fundamental sound I think has been really important in my music and trying to work with that instead of um, changing it trying to keep it itself yeah yeah <laughs> um, but also with techniques like sampling um, also the process of manipulating it as far away as that sound as you can get (laughs) right yeah is also something that i like to work with and something that this album made me you know just think about different techniques and um yeah like a compositional style that can be very minimal but still effective i think is something that i try to go for what I love about this Carl Stone one is his repetition is its own processor, definitely with these pieces where you hear something for eight minutes and there's yeah. absolutely no way, even if it's 
basically the same sound. Maybe altered slightly that it's going to sound anything like the first time that you heard it. Uh, that recurrence is enough to sort of completely twist the impression of the sound inside your head, which is like, oh, that's where I get my kicks. Um, yeah, it's like um, <laughs> saying the same word over and over again. It yes. starts to sound like like not a real word. <laughs> exactly that. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, the 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 other pieces on this record are really different, and you have yeah so many frenetic I was almost quite surprised to you know having never heard Carl Stone's work before to go from the first track to say you know the title track for example mm-hmm. you get these very frenetic kind of like it feels like maybe cut from yeah totally different styles of music layered mm-hmm. together I mean how do you relate to those do you enjoy those as well um you know do they inspire you at all too um I think the the thing that inspires me about the other ones, yeah, they're a lot more frantic, not mm. as dreamy as the other ones <laughs> that I that I love, but the the sampling kind of sound source I think is interesting to me. Taking uh, you know samples from wherever and changing them, manipulating them. Um, I think that idea in itself is something that's inspiring to me. Mm. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it's kind of a similar process of, you know, expanding the sample and uh, creating this cyclic kind of space and finding the rhythms in kind of this noisy, <laughs> clunky world (laughs) yeah Yeah. because he uses a lot of very rhythmic music uh especially in those bits so you've kind of got a meta rhythm where it's like the 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 very fast tempo of those original clips but then the slow slower maybe tempo or different tempo rather i should say of that that's generated by the repetitions or the looping yeah. Which has really spun my brain around. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I really like that aspect of it, that there's um, the rhythms within the rhythm of the music, the sampling rhythm, mm. and, yeah, all these, like, polyrhythms that get created. I also want to pick up on something you said with regards to getting to the source of the sound, which I thought was really lovely. I'm intrigued as to how easy that is for you to do to keep things really simple and reduced in order to keep you connected to that source of the sound. I say this because, you know, I love that kind of thing and I also have this very flitty part of my brain which wants to bring in as many sounds as possible. It's like, oh, let's add this in now and suddenly you kind of obfuscate what you're going for, right? So, I mean, do, do you have to set boundaries for yourself in order to ensure that you are remaining connected to minimal means or do you find that that's something that's quite natural for you to do i think um yeah i definitely set limitations um just the way that i go about recording is is very kind of i like to keep it as immediate as i can Mm. um so not a lot of post-processing i like to have the instruments that I'm using and the pedals and the hardware kind of be 
the you know the palette I don't really like to take it in and mess with it much after after it's recorded mm-hmm. so mm. I really like that limitation because it just feels more yeah like more live and more real and more close to the performance I like to keep it as close as possible and yeah I mean I think using these instruments that I use is a huge limitation but also (laughs) (laughs) keeps me you know challenged in how to shape the sound and transform the sound and move the sound in different ways so that's something I'm always always um, playing with and questioning when I play live or um, create and start creating new music Um, so it pretty much starts with like these instruments that can only do one thing you know (laughs) right yeah (laughs) it's just play one tone and then (laughs) let's take it from there and you know it's a challenge but i like it because um it takes you to or it takes me to places that you you really have to kind of build from the ground up so Mm. So, yeah, that's definitely a limitation. But, yeah, I have fun with it. (laughs) Without that, I don't know what music I would be making. Let's go to your final important record then, Rocio. So what have we got as the final pick? Um, The final pick was Privacy Issues by David First. Nice. Again, if you could give me an introduction as to why this one's important, that'd be great. Yeah, so it's Privacy Issues, Drone Works, 1996 to 2009. So... Um, similar to my album, it was a collection of a lot of work from an era. And yeah. I like that because you can kind of see um, him working with similar themes in different ways and different processes. Um, but it's this beautiful, just perfect drone album <laughs> to me. <laughs> um, yeah. The first track I ever heard from this album was a bet on transcendence transcendence favors the house and when i heard it i was just like i don't know i was just like wow this is drone music (laughs) to me (laughs) (laughs) this is like really perfect drone music (laughs) and it's thick and swarmy and slow moving and it works with a lot of beating frequencies. Mm. So when you have the two frequencies that are uh, close together, they create this beating acoustic phenomenon. And he works a lot with that in this album. Yeah. And creating um, rhythms with those 
beating uh, frequencies. So it's, yeah, it's mind-blowing. It, it's kind of like a perfect zone-out album <laughs> <laughs> yeah. that you can just put on and it'll change. I feel like it changes the frequency of my body and of the room. <laughs> it just kind of like tunes everything. <laughs> and even though there's a lot of tones going on, it's it builds this like thick, thick drone, like swarmy drone, but it doesn't feel muddy. It all yes. feels really clear and intentional and dense and even in the dissonance it's soft and transcendent and it can really be this crazy spiritual experience um drone and this i think this album has that like magic magic touch (laughs) for me um yeah so this one's really I don't listen to it all the way, you know, I put like, you know, because they're so, such long, long tracks, but just hearing one, like Zen Built, Zen Blame, the first one, playing it through, um, if you need to like recalibrate yourself and like clear your mind, this is yeah. a really good one to put on, it's like a meditation, and I've had some really special experiences with drone music in general but this one when i first heard it kind of changed the way or expanded the way i interact with with music with drone music in general like i would play it in the studio really loud and kind of just like vocal harmonize with it (laughs) oh cool yeah it's i don't know why i started doing that but it just (laughs) felt right and it felt like a yeah like a meditation and um it was a yeah so this album was like the first album that i did that with and it just felt like um like tuning my body in a way or like playing with the sound in the room like when you walk around the room it sounds different over here than it does over here because they're just pure frequencies um on some of them on others uh there's i think there's guitar as well which i love to hear (laughs) (laughs) in drone music (laughs) and also some other instruments i think a clarinet and other instruments like that Mm. but yeah this one's really special like when you're done listening you're like "Uh, where am i <laughs> you, you kind of just like find yourself in a different space, which sometimes you need. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, do you remember how you discovered this one? Um, when I was learning synthesis, uh, one of my synthesis teachers uh, played played that song for us, and I was just like, "Wow, yeah!" It was like one of the ones that just blew me away from the, from the get go. Wow, what an awesome teacher! Yeah, he was great. It was, um, Bob Snyder. That's great. Um, so it sounds like I was going to ask how you tend to listen to this record. Unfortunately, the only choice available to me uh, during like, the past week or so has been headphones. So it was over headphones. Um, this is one of those. It reminds me a lot of Phil Niblock, actually, as well, where I'm like, oh, over speakers, this is going to really rattle the room and you know as you say <laughs> uh have some really interesting interactions with space but um yeah yeah have you tried both with this headphones too 
Yeah, um, so I heard this one first in the room with speakers. Mm. Um, and yeah, and then with headphones, it's definitely a much more like intimate, close, like um, it feels like you're like in a little sound pod <laughs> <Right>. experience. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, but definitely both. Um, I like to do, I definitely like to hear this one out in, in the room the best though. Mm hmm. You mentioned that it kind of changed your relationship with drone or something to that effect. Um, and you started playing it in the studio and stuff. I mean, what other releases did this bring you to? Were there other artists that you discovered in the wake of being really attached to privacy issues? Um, I think at the same time I was, um, I mentioned this earlier, I was listening to Lamont Young. Yes. So yeah, yeah. I was, um, I was debating on whether to choose one of his albums or, or this one because <laughs> they're kind of in a similar vein for me. But I think this one I ended up choosing just because of it's like so slow moving. But then when you realize it, you're in a different space. Yes. And it does that so easily for me. It kind of, you know, sometimes drone. It's like you realize that you've been listening to the same thing for a while. But with this one, I don't think about that. And I think in drone, it's like that's something that's like a challenge to work with. <laughs> it's like you don't want to bore the people, but you want to create these large spaces of sound and it's like a battle of, you know, of that. And yeah, this one just does it really easily for me. I don't know what it is. I don't know what <laughs> weird magic he's using, but <laughs> it works. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's like realizing that the sun has risen around yeah, you. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You're like, whoa, you know, how do we get here? Um, yeah. <laughs> with, within your own practice in terms of using drones has this record been particularly informative in how you've gone about that um i think since i think um he's doing a lot of these drones digitally which is yes. how he can get such you know clean precise tones and um methodic movement and stuff so I don't work with anything digitally but yeah I think just as a perfect example of drone <laughs> it's it's informed um, that in my listening experience but as far as like process it's not similar to mine I kind of take on a different I mean I like the slow moving, you know, how did I get here kind of effect. Yeah. And I don't know if I achieved that or not, but it's just like something, it takes you on a journey without you realizing. And I think I like that kind of mindset. Mm. Um, mm -hmm. So in a lot of my performances, I like to start off with kind of just uh, minimal drone tones and starting it off like that as kind of just like tuning the room and like tuning myself and you know preparing 
everything as like I don't know I don't know why I've done that in the recent past but I just tend to do that recently and um, so taking those drones from one place to another and how I do that is kind of always the the question and the challenge and the fun of you know performing and I think there's always like a battle of like oh I don't want to be here too long because (laughs) you know I don't want to bore people but also (laughs) but also also if you just let yourself be in that space what can happen you know what Mm -hmm. can happen in your body or what can happen in your mind you know so it's like a balance of of those a play on those two aspects for me You mentioned this is a compendium of works across quite a time span, right? I can't remember. Was it in the 90s, right? Till through to yeah. 2009, I can't remember yeah. what you said. Yeah, 96 to 2009. Yeah, wow. Um, and as you say, yours was a compendium of works too over five years. I guess so much can change over that period. Yeah. What was it like pulling together a release that, in fact, I think had that time span not been apparent it wouldn't necessarily felt like a record right that was all together from such a stretch of time it's an incredibly coherent work but yeah what was it like bringing all those pieces together into one document yeah it was really fun i mean i i made a lot of different pieces and yeah as i added to my setup and changed it and built new instruments um the type of work I was making was obviously shifting along with that and evolving. Mm. So I tried to choose um, tracks that, um, well, that I most liked that I made, first of all. (laughs) (laughs) But the ones that reflected kind of my journey in the most cohesive way possible. (laughs) Nice. And so that's why the album, I think, starts off pretty slow moving and droney and more ambient um, because that's kind of where my interests lied, you know, early 2016. And when right. I started making the synthesizers, you know, that was what I gravitated towards at first, just creating these long form drone pieces and just being in the tones you know getting familiar with being in that space Mm. and uh just building this relationship with my sense and then the more i the more time passes the more you know i'm chiseling out ways oh i can you know bend it this way i can shape it this way so i can sample it this way and then it's a whole nother monster (laughs) 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 and so um 
yeah that's if you get the tape side a is like kind of more the ambient slow paced um droney side and side b you get into more of a um evolution of there's a little bit of rhythm introduced um a little bit of vocals and more sampling comes in so just like building on all of these you know compositional techniques and playing with the different ways that the drone can shift but also you know i'm still gonna have side a (laughs) we we were the people that love that which you know i love it so um i met this person that listened to the first root drone he told me he listened to that like you know constantly constantly as he was meditating so i was like oh that's perfect i mean that's like how it should be used (laughs) so so like on the soundcloud you see it like played like 500 times and i'm like oh (laughs) so he was (laughs) listening to that on repeat and i was like debating on making it longer because for like a drone piece they're all pretty short you know yeah what was the thinking with um having shorter pieces rather than you know because i guess it's really tempting right to lean into the duration yeah i think um i just when i was making them you know i could make this long long drone piece but i really didn't think it needed to be that you know Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so it's kind of like when you're meditating you well, for me, I just meditate for as long as I need to, and it's always different. So right. for these songs, or for the uh, like root drone and um, light body, it's like I just let my body tell me, okay, how long do I need to hear this? <laughs> <laughs> and uh, until you know, like I get the effect, or like you know, I get the full experience. And so I think that's why they aren't longer. It it kind of just you know. I wasn't, you know, trying to make them a certain length or anything. I just kind of composed them in the way that I felt they needed to be, I think. <laughs> One final question, I think, is it feels kind of inevitable having spoken about the chronology of that's on display with this record of yours. What is coming next? Are you working on new music now? And are you feeling any differences between, you know, Invisible Miracles and where you're headed from here? Um, Yeah, definitely. I've been recording some new material and it sounds a lot different. It's like, if you listen to the last track, it's kind of like picking up from there. (laughs) Right. And, And changing it into a new direction. So a lot of my recordings now, um are sounding a lot more distorted and I'm using a lot more of rhythmic kind of drones. Hmm. So distorted rhythmic droning uh, patterns and rhythms. And I'm trying to uh, recently in my live performances, I've been leaning more towards like giving myself space to improvise. Mm -hmm. So it's got a lot of that going on (laughs) and i kind of just want to go back with these new recordings we were talking about going back to like a raw fundamental 
um, sound of my instruments. So I kind of just want to focus on that, just minimal processing, just straight into recording, you know, as immediate as I can. Mm. Because um, I had been like, you know, putting them through effects and stuff, but I just kind of really want to go back to where I started right. and let these like saw or square wave drones just be like their gritty raw selves. <laughs> so um, I think I'm, yeah, it's a lot more gritty, I think, and growly. <laughs> awesome. Great. Well, Rosia, thank you so much for talking through your important records but also invisible miracles as well didn't really need another reason to compel me to dive back in but you've given me umpteen so that's awesome <laughs> um and to everyone listening we'll see you next time goodbye bye thank you